Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Joining me now, it's so great to be here. We're at the Vox Vitae Catholic Pro-Life Leadership Training Program for Youth, 100 Youth with us here in Southern California. Today, we're going to unpack with Jim O'Day, the Executive Director of Integrity Restored, here with me in person in Southern California. We're going to talk about a recent study coming out of the Wheatley Institute that is blasted all over social media, which is interesting because Wheatley Institute is an organization that really touches on topics related to family life in many ways that you wouldn't always see necessarily in the Washington Post per se, but it has to do with social media use and you as parents, not your kids, but how it's impacting your children. Fascinating conversation. We'll touch on that in just a moment. We're going to talk about conversation starters for families. It's our marriage hour today on trending. And sometimes getting your kid to talk is difficult. Even getting yourself to talk is difficult. So what can you do to help lighten the load of conversation and still have conversations? These are helpful tips we'll have. Also, we'll share with you a little bit of what's happening with the current teen culture that we are we are experiencing right now. and. Here's the topic of the hour, especially where married couples are concerned, but couples in general, and that is this trend of couples choosing to watch pornography together. You might be opposed to pornography individually, but many people think it's perfectly okay if you do it consensually together, watching it with your spouse or significant other. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. Again, joining me now is Jim O'Day, the Executive Director of Integrity Restored. You can find them at integrityrestored.com, helping people uh, recover from pornography addiction, sexual addiction, and the fallout if perhaps a loved one of yours has been looking at pornography. Jim, welcome back to Trending. Thank you, Tim Ray. I always love being on your show. But I love being on your show more in person as I get to see your smiling face. So this is a real joy for me. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute treat. I saw this study came out and I thought that you would be a good person to talk to about it because you see the impact of technology use uh, impacting people today. Uh, you've seen a lot of the studies both on the impact of pornography use, but also how just digital media in general is impacting young people. Fascinating study came out. We often talk here on Trending about how technology use is negatively impacting young people, but here's breaking news. A Wheatley Institute study came out this past week. It is everywhere on the internet. And it's explaining why we've seen 
an increase in severe depression among youth. This year, 2.5 million American youth reported having to cope with severe, severe depression. Now, this number is a significant rise, nearly 200,000 more than the year prior, according to Mental Health America. Why is this happening? Well, adult social media use is actually playing a role on it. The Wheatley Institute study is saying that if a teenager's parents are using social media on a low level, then that teenager is 10% more likely to be depressed. Now, if a parent is using social media on a higher level, that child is nearly 40% more likely to be depressed. So in other words, adolescents today are nearly four times as likely to be depressed if their parents are using social media at a higher level. What were your initial thoughts when you saw this study? Oh, it didn't surprise me at all. Um, it didn't surprise me at all from the work that I do at Integrity Restored. And maybe more importantly, it didn't surprise me at all because I saw myself in that study. So how old are your children now? Well, my my oldest is 32 and my youngest is 22. So technology use would have been norm when your kids were growing up in their teen years in your home. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and I really think my wife and I did a great job of managing their technology use. But I can remember Timory and that's why this, this study and this article hit such a nerve for me. Because I can remember my son coming to me in, you know, maybe in middle school or uh, early in high school. And, hey, Dad, I want to talk to you. And I had my phone. And I was scrolling through my emails, you know, because whatever's going on at work, boy, I better jump right on that. And I missed opportunities to connect with my son. I missed opportunities to talk to him about what was important at that moment. Now, in the grand scheme of things, maybe it wasn't that important. But I think even when you go out to eat now, uh, you see the kids, even smaller children, vying for their parents' attention while the parent's face is buried in a phone or a tablet. And so it doesn't surprise me at all. I think uh, the pandemic, the increased isolation of the pandemic uh, lends itself to the depression that these kids are feeling. And look, mom and dad are supposed to be the ones you can always go to. Right. And you can, but are they aware, attentive, present, alert? That's the challenge. And uh, we just did uh, an Integrity Restored podcast about all these dangers uh, of the internet other than pornography. Pornography is a big enough danger. But our hypervigilance with messages and emails and social media sites and all these notifications we're getting are distracting us from being in the moment and being able to have these opportunities to connect with our kids or our spouse or our friends. Right, right. This is a little bit of a side tangent, but I think relevant. I'd like to go there for a brief moment. And that is, I was thinking about how when 
So if kids are experiencing depression because parents aren't present when they go to talk to them about something, that really is what it is. These kids are feeling like their parents aren't attentive, present, listening, affirming. And so what happens is kids are going to look for that attention somewhere else. They're going to look for connection somewhere else. And I really do think that part of this does tie into the pornography crisis among teens, that that depression, but also that ultimately a rejection of an attempted reach out of contact can lead for to a youth actually turning eventually to pornography out of loneliness. For self-soothing purposes. Absolutely. Um, you see, as parents, look, being a parent is not an easy job. I get it. I've raised two kids uh, that are relatively stable, amazingly. Um, <laughs> praise God and thank you, Jesus. But um, you really, the thing is, it's not about how much money you spend on them. It's not about how much you buy them or give them. It really is about how much time you spend with them. And, uh, I would always thankfully be able to catch myself and I would go back to my kids and say, you know what? Dad made a mistake. I'm sorry. I should have paid attention when you needed to talk to me. And I really, I do apologize. That work email is not more important than you. And so, so I, uh, I think that's important for us to do as parents too, because we're not always going to get it right. We're going to screw it up. We're going to get distracted. We're going to, um, but it's just so normal an experience for our kids today. Absolutely. One thing that stands out to me, and if you're just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. Joining me now is Jim O'Day, the Executive Director of Integrity Restored. You can find them at integritystored.com, helping to heal the fallout of pornography use, sexual addiction, or the fallout that you may have experienced if you've experienced betrayal by someone close to you who's using pornography. So integritystored.com is that resource. But as we're talking about this study, and kind of to summarize, if you're just joining us, Wheatley Institute, this has been a breaking, groundbreaking study that apparent social media use is having a major role in the depression rate of teens teenagers. 10% of teens are depressed when their parents use social media at a low level, reports the study, and nearly 40% of teens are depressed at the highest level of parents' social media use. It's interesting looking at this because one thing that stood out to me is if you've ever um, studied the five love languages, uh, what Gary Chapman, I believe, is the author of the five love languages. I know for me, my number one love language is quality time. And so I do see this when I look at, you know, are you feeling the idea of it, of the five love languages is that all of us have ways that we particularly need love and that we particularly show love. And if our need for love isn't being met in a particular way, let's say I love gifts and I never receive gifts. Well, I might have a little bit of a sensitivity and needing a little bit more love in particular areas. If you need quality time, but your spouse doesn't ever show you quality time, or, you know, these things are important. And so a child has these five love languages and there's usually a predominant one or two. And so if a child's predominant love language is quality time and they're experiencing to them what is rejection when they're trying to make contact. And this plays a key role in our understanding how developmentally these kids are supposed 
supposed to be learning unconditional love and affirmation. You say, well, I do give my kid unconditional love and affirmation, but that child's not receiving affirmation in that attempted contact. And so they're going to stop reaching out. They're going to stop coming to you. And, and then parents wonder, Timory, why it's like pulling teeth. How was your day? Fine. What'd you learn? Nothing. Now, some of that is just normally being a kid. Uh, but it, it's, it's also a reflection of how have, from when they're little, we built up the communication style in the family. And if we're constantly distracted by our phones, uh, listening to the crazy different beeps, is that WhatsApp? Is that TikTok? Is that... Because we have to know what's happening on every single platform. Well, that child's going to learn our communication style is dismissive. And so when we want to, as they grow into the teenage years, really start to communicate with them on some bigger issues... Well, they're going to be dismissive of us. And I think that that is so important to understand that. I think it's a lesson learned. And so how, how do we make this better? Let's be honest. We don't like to admit it when we have an addiction. And I think most people would argue addictive behavior, um, their behavior is not addictive on social media. And I would argue that the vast majority of people's uh, technology use is addictive. I would say there are times where I have addictive technology use and I try really hard not to. And so what do you do? Things such as, and again, this is an extreme. I, this is why I love the black and light white challenge. I've had my phone screen on black and white for I think seven or so years now. And it changes the dopamine reaction. So I'm less apt to reach for my phone and stay on my phone because all the colors aren't there. When you have fewer notifications uh, from sounds to also uh, icons and images on your phone from saying you have 5,000 unread emails to 20 unread text messages, take those icons off. Remove the notifications because other than a phone call and maybe even a text message, and I have some of my text message notifications edited as well, we receive dopamine hits. We experience uh, reactions that lead us to want to check our phones more often. So let's eliminate some of those distractions that are leading us to be on our phone more. Yeah, yeah, and it's a great idea. And, and not everything is urgent. That's a hard thing to get over. It's a hard thing to get over, and, and, and we feel like we have to jump on everything immediately, but you don't. You know, when I first started traveling for business many, many years ago now, um, we called into the office twice a day when we were on the road, once in the morning, once in the afternoon. And you know what? Business still got done. Not everything has to be handled the moment you get it. Especially not when it's interfering with that incredibly short and special time that you have with your kids. Because believe me, my kids are 22 and 32. It's short. It goes much quicker than you can imagine. A final thought I have, and I'd be interested if you have any others to share as well. Uh, increasing our self-control and moderation and temperance. These are all virtues that we can practice with our phones. And I know a big one for me is leave your phone at home sometimes. You know, only one spouse sometimes needs to take a phone somewhere for emergency or leave it in the car once you get somewhere. Leave it in a drawer on a different story or in a different room of your house. You will be much happier for having done it. Are there any kind of parting tips you have for helping to take back your own social media use? 
Well, I think that those were great tips that you gave. There's some really cool apps out there uh, that will help you do that. If you find you can't white knuckle it, you can't do it on your own strength. There's some apps out there that will do it, but it's, it's, there's a simple thing that you can do. Um, a buddy of mine got a shoebox, had the kids decorate the shoebox. And they colored and painted and did all kinds of stuff. And when it was time for mommy or daddy to have one-on-one with the children, the phones went in the shoebox. Parent and child, the phones went in the shoebox. Put the lid on it, and you don't take it out till you're done whatever you're doing. Um, they use it for dinners now, for lunches and breakfasts on the weekend, so that they're not distracted by the phone. And it's a simple thing. We all have shoeboxes laying around. Just do something that's unique to your family. Let the kids be engaged, depending on the age. Your teenagers probably wouldn't want to paint a shoebox, but maybe if they're artists. And then make that a habit, because that habit is going to carry forward into their family. See, everything we do as a parent is generational. Take back your kids, starting with your own behavior. And I think that this is the major lesson behind this study that's come out that has been groundbreaking for many families. You're listening to Trending with Tim Murray here on Relevant Radio. That's Jim O'Day, the Executive Director of Integrity Restored. We'll be right back here on Trending during our weekly marriage hour. We're going to discuss table topics for families, things to get the conversation going when you don't know what to say. And maybe they don't know what to say either to make it fun and interesting and to teach your kids how to be conversationalists in an age of technology use that has so de-socialized us and we are lacking in interpersonal skills. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. We will be back with Jim O'Day to also discuss why couples should not look at pornography together. You may be opposed to looking at it separately, but some people actually think it's okay if it's within the context of marriage or relationship. We'll be right back here on Trending. Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Coming up in just a little bit, we'll talk about that controversial topic of whether or not you should look at pornography together as a couple. Opposed to pornography individually, well, what about if you're looking at it with your spouse? Many couples today think that that's okay. You're listening to Trending with Tim Marie here on Relevant Radio. Joining me now is Jim O'Day, the Executive Director of Integrity Restored. It's our weekly marriage hour, as I said. And as we're talking about controversial topics, we're here at the Catholic Vox Vitae Pro-Life Leadership Training Program for Youth. And we have been dealing with controversial topics all day. Pornography, sexuality, hormones, addiction, chastity, sexually transmitted diseases, And with many of these Q&As with these kids, what stands out to me over and over again is these these kids are asking us these questions. And my hope and my prayer is, is that all of these teenagers have the confidence and comfort to ask their parents as well, that that line of communication is open and clear. And so right now what we're going to talk about is conversation starters 
for families. Look, it's hard to have a conversation today, especially for young people where they live digitally. They don't have good face-to-face -face conversations. And so whether it's teaching them conversation skills, opening up the line of conversation, or talking about ideas rather than people and getting into that gossip culture, these are extremely helpful. We are pulling these, Jim, you sent me this article, Conversation Starters Promoting Family Communication from Catholic Education Resource Center. We'll post a link on social media as well as in the podcast notes. And many of these questions I think can be game changers for families to get a glimpse into where their kids are at and even where your spouse is at. Oh, I, absolutely. And, and Timory, you've done this with your husband, my my highs and lows challenge where every day we um, just check in 10-15 minutes with our spouse. What was the high point of your day? What was the low point of your day? We're not trying to solve any of the problems. We're just trying to share with each other. And in my work at Integrity Restored, um, when, when people are recovering from pornography addiction or a spouse is recovering from betrayal trauma, one of the constants I see across all the couples is communication problems. Ineffective communication, not knowing how to communicate with each other. So this little daily check-in can be vital to that recovery and to the health of the marriage. And this list, that this article that I came across, I just loved it because it allows us to expand upon that concept with our spouse, but also with our children, uh, with our friends, potentially with coworkers. I mean, this is just a great relationship building tool, building the skill of conversation, which we've lost. Yes, the art of conversation. And I find myself even struggling with this. I'm an introvert. And, you know, I think sometimes for introverts, it's like, oh, the awkward moment. Maybe, you know, you recover for introverts. You recover by being alone. So sometimes in your social situation, you're tired. Having that conversation is difficult. And so having some conversation starters in your back pocket are extremely helpful. And there are a few I know that really stood out to you that I think give you a great glimpse into where your kids are at. Yeah, the first one for me, Timory, was uh, what happened today that you didn't expect? Uh, every day, uh, no matter who we are, young or old, something happens that was unexpected in your life. And how you respond to that and how you would describe that can be very telling. So as a parent, uh, what a great opportunity to check in on a much deeper level with your child rather than, well, what did you learn in school today, honey? Because they're going to tell you nothing. Very generic question. Yeah. What happened today that you didn't expect? And when you make that a regular part of the conversation, um, you're going to get much more insight into what's going on. I mean, it could be something like somebody called me a bad word or oh, I dropped my lunch and Billy gave me half his sandwich. Wow. Great opportunities to talk about a number of different things because it was these unexpected moments in life. Absolutely. And I think that it speaks volumes to how did you react to a situation? And because, you know, 
you could have a situation where someone was called a bad name or maybe some type of bullying happened and you ask, hey, what do you do? And your kid says, I punched him in the face. Well, okay, now we have to deal with this. Or maybe they didn't talk to anyone else the rest of the day and they completely shut down. You know, what does that say? You know, Maybe you see that they're having a hard time with friendships or being bullied or whatever it might be. It gives you a real glimpse into where your kid is at. It's interesting you mentioned the conversation starters for spouses as well earlier and you mentioned my husband and I do it you had issued this challenge I think September of last year and we still keep doing it uh, and maybe you know you're away from your kid for a little while, a little while. maybe your kid's at a summer camp or whatever might be going on and you want to get a glimpse into where they're at well use these conversation starters even if it's just a simple question via text that is more specific but also generic enough to become interesting and not so you know so how are things going you know some of them i remember with my daughter uh growing up some of the best conversations i ever had with her were a 10 minute ride on saturday morning to get a Dunkin' Donuts. She was unguarded in those moments because she's just going with dad to get donuts. Big deal. And so, hey, did anything cool happen this week or anything bad happen this week? Well, dad, blah, 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 blah. Where if I tried to like schedule that and sit her down, it wouldn't have worked. It's environmental, there's a lot of different reasons, but this list of questions can help us as parents. Um, we sometimes think we have to think of it all on our own. We don't. And use this list, ladies and gentlemen. Timory's going to put up the links. Uh, use this list this week, tomorrow. Start asking some of these questions of your spouse, of your children, of your friends. I think you're going to be amazed at how much you can learn. You're listening to Trending with Tim Murray here on Relevant Radio. That's Jim O'Day, the Executive Director of Integrity Restored. Find them at integrityrestored.com. Jim, one of the conversation starters I really liked was what's something you accomplished today? For me, if I didn't really feel like I accomplished something, I can feel rather frustrated. This is why uh, practices such as you know, making your bed every day is something good because you can start with a little accomplishment and it can help you work your way up to potentially bigger accomplishments. But for young people, I find many young people today, Jim, will say things such as, I'm not good at anything. I don't have any talents. I'm always a astounded by that statement. I think often they think that, well, I don't play soccer, or maybe I play baseball and I'm not that good. Maybe I don't do anything. I don't play sports. I don't do music. You should still feel as if you're accomplishing something little and big throughout your day. I, I think one of the, you know, we've talked about it many times on the show. One of the problems is we judge ourselves internally by what other people are putting up on their social media. And they're so good at everything on social media, boy. It's just amazing. Uh, you know, uh, a kid hitting a baseball. Well, the clip he puts up is the one time out of out of the the whole ten games that he hit a home run. Every other time he struck out, but he's not putting them up. Or uh, you know, my wife loves crafting, and she watches all these crafting videos and. Um, She's watching them making wreaths or something. And they're whipping through and she's like, 
Jim, that took me three hours. I said, yeah, and they showed you that three hours condensed and edited into three minutes. It's not you, honey. It's So we have to remember that we're judging ourselves improperly on a false, it's fictional, the, the social media posts we're watching for the most part. Um, the other thing is I think young kids today are missing a lot of the the social um, interactions that especially my generation, I'm a lot older than you, Timory, but like we went out in the morning and started playing and hanging out with our friends and, and we didn't come home until the street lights went on. And so we had a lot of time to converse and to engage because there was nothing else to do. It was face to face. You were doing stuff with your hands. Yeah. You were outside. But kids today are, are, are all connected electronically their their relationships are much more virtual so they don't feel like they know how to do anything because they haven't gotten dirt under their fingernails and just you know digging in the dirt playing in the grass doing whatever and i think that, that does touch on a parenting thing today that is comedy parents it's so funny I grew up in the mountains. We'd run around barefoot. We'd get dirty. We played in the mud. And I'm very pro outdoors with my child. And she gets dirty. And it's funny because I'll see some other parents or even uh, various family members will be like, oh, there's dirt in her toes or her feet are dirty. I'm like, yup. <laughs> she also didn't take a bath last night. Like, it's okay like for your kid to get a little dirty and to play in the dirt and scratch her knee. And this comes back to that accomplishment question are you creating a conducive environment for your kids to feel like they can do things like that? Like, oh man, I climbed a mountain today. Yeah, I mean, climbing a tree. Uh, I remember growing up, so I grew up in the city, so we didn't have that many trees. We had some. I learned to climb a tree, but my big thing, my big thing was learning to hop the fence. <laughs> Total city kid. When I learned how to hop the fence without putting my feet <laughs> in it, I could just hop up. Man, that was it. But I practiced and I tried and I fell a lot and I had bloody elbows and scraped knees. And But it was good because I accomplished something. And, and that's what we should be creating those environments uh, for our children. There's another question that stood out to you on this list. I know that... Um, these questions can sometimes be complicated uh, on some of these. You know, I don't think you're asking like, what is love to you? I don't know that I'd necessarily ask that question. I think it's a vague one, but there's another one that you'd really liked. Yeah. So the other one I really like is what is something you're looking forward to? I love this one. I, I, I mean, I found this today. I've never used it. I can't wait to talk to Kim about it. My wife. Um, what a great question and and what insight that will give us into where that person's at because look if if she tells me Jim I am just looking forward to this weekend where I'm laying on the couch and you're doing everything she's exhausted she's stressed or if she says I'm looking forward to my son going back to school and getting his master's degree, which he's doing. 
but maybe that you know so it's it's just a great question to to gauge where someone is at and what's important to them at that moment and really what they're looking forward to you know if there's not something that someone's looking forward to especially for a child you know it's a major major sign that uh, your kid maybe feels like they're not, um, you know, back to that accomplishment idea, um, back to, you know, are there things that you're doing as a family that are being looked forward to? And you don't have to go on a family vacation for your kid to have something to look forward to. And for me, it was as simple as I'm looking forward to going hiking tomorrow. You know, that would could be something so simple and so sweet, going and having a picnic, you know, these simple things, you know, how can you create and make sure your kid has something that they look forward to in life because if you're if your kid's not looking forward to something in life this goes back to the depression conversation we had earlier a lack of interest or delight or looking forward and anticipation to things is a major sign of depression mhm and and more and more kids are are struggling with that for their parents social media addiction reasons for their own uh, social media addiction reasons, and just for the general isolation that we're all feeling because we're living in such a virtual, disconnected, um, interpersonally disconnected world right now. Um, So I think, you know, what we should try and do as parents is make memories. And memories don't have to be expensive. That's where many, many times in my 35 years of marriage, I've screwed it up because I've thought, well, I can't, you know, I can't afford that. That date, that vacation or whatever it might be. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't, which is normal, right? We, we've, we've all struggled. Yeah. And, but we can always make a memory always. And so that's what we should be doing and not worrying about the big ticket. Help our children learn to look forward to the little things that are meaningful. And they'll be a lot happier, better, well-rounded adults, too. That's Jim O'Day, the Executive Director of Integrity Restored, here on Relevant Radio. You can find them at IntegrityRestored.com. We're going to come back talking about whether or not a couple should look at pornography together. You may be against looking at it individually, but many people think it's fine if you do it together as a couple. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Joining me now is Jim O'Day, the Executive Director of Integrity Restored. Jim, there was, I remember a trend about two years ago where this was being discussed publicly. And it was something that was happening as a norm uh, that I think there was a movie that came out, maybe on Netflix, that was leading people to discuss it. And the norm is something very common is many couples today will watch pornography together. Now, my poor mother-in-law, I was talking to her. She's asking, what are you going to talk about on the show today? And I told her, wait, what? People do that? She, She couldn't even look me in the face after I said it because she was so horrified at the idea that anyone would do that. And and just the natural shame that kicks in is so appropriate. Uh, And it's interesting because 
People can be opposed to looking at pornography individually, but there are quite a few people who are okay with looking at pornography together as a couple. Well, they've bought into the lie. There's a huge lie that it spices up the sex life and it makes the sex life better. Um, It really doesn't. And there's been tons of studies uh, that have scientifically proven (laughs) that it doesn't. And that's not even taking into account the emotional damage that it does to the relationship. You see, sex, God invented sex. It's a beautiful thing. But it's not something that can be broken down to its lowest common denominator. And that's what pornography does. It breaks it down to just this visual appealing act without the connection, the emotion, the chemical releases that are supposed to happen at a certain time in a certain order. And so when we, when we think as a couple, um, many couples who are struggling in one or more areas of the marriage ultimately end up struggling in the intimate area, physical intimacy, sexual intimacy area of the marriage. Well, they think we can kickstart that by using pornography. Here's the truth. Yes, you may be aroused by it. It's the way our brains work. And bodies, absolutely, you're going to have a physical response. But it's not solving the problem that got you there in the first place. It's masking it, and it's actually adding other problems. So, Jim, you work with couples uh, where either one spouse has experienced betrayal for trauma by the other looking at pornography or where um, both of them might be struggling. So when you are in a counseling situation and maybe this has been something that the couple has done thinking that it will help, how do you get beyond that and where do you find healing um, from the idea that you need it and from the damage that's been done by it? Um, the, f- the first thing is you don't need it. That's, that's the realization that these couples have to come to. They don't need it. Um, Here's a trick, ladies and gentlemen. You want to have an incredible sex life? Pray before you have sex with your spouse. Pray for your spouse. I, When I came back to the church, um, I, I think we might have talked about this on the show. I, I, I put crucifixes and statues and religious pictures everywhere in the house except my bedroom. <laughs> but God invented sex. And I remember talking to a priest friend of mine about it, and we were he's an expert in theology of the body, and we were talking about how God made sex and so beautiful. And he said, well, do you pray for your wife before you make love? I said, no. He said, well, then how do you expect to be good at it? God will help you with that just as he helps us with everything. And so I started praying for her. Uh, and it's been incredible because it becomes so much more intimate. The bond is so much stronger. It's not about the lust. The lust can feel like the shortcut to good sex. But it's not. It's just lust and it's fleeting. And what turns you on today will not turn you on tomorrow because the brain is always looking for something novel. So let it be based in love and connection and and mutual desire to make the other person feel good. 
let sex be about pleasing your wife and you'll be amazed how much more you enjoy it. These are the gifts of intimacy and conversations that just aren't had otherwise. Otherwise, you're being told, well, just use pornography. Or, or just, you know, the scandalous magazines that are advertised to teenagers about these topics of things to do. And the reality is, is that intimacy is an absolute gift and honoring that gift and what we bring into that gift is so important for preserving it. And it amazed me two years ago when, it amazed me two years ago when there was this theme of it's okay, it's fine, it's normal if this is something you do as a couple and that people are talking about this out loud. And again, that trend, I think, although still occurring, isn't something people are discussing out loud right now because that was, I think, based on a, a film that had come out online. And it reminds me that look at what we are missing when we are not taught about human anthropology, human theology when it comes to the human person. It's fascinating to me, Jim, you and I have been here with these incredible young people, and some of whom certainly have wounds and healing that needs to occur because they've been told a lie about their bodies and, and who they are, and they've struggled in relationships, and others who have had these beautiful experiences and have been able to preserve that gift. Uh, within themselves and they have a lot of questions about you know how do we relate to one another as male and female those questions never go away but sometimes they get more complicated and I know you and I had conversations with some of these youth today where most of their questions had to do with relationships and dating and getting to know the opposite sex and because it's complicated and throwing pornography into the mix in marriage isn't going to make it any better, just like engaging in sex outside of marriage for your teenager isn't going to make it better by trying as a means of trying to get to know the other person. The, <laughs> the whole thing that pornography does is warp expectations. It's a, it's a hamster wheel that you're never going to be able to jump off because you're always chasing the next high. And so when you do that as a couple, well, now I can imagine that's going to make for some really interesting fights about, and, and I've had couples I've worked with as a, as a coach. Well, I'm really mad at him because he's really gotten into lesbian porn. And I don't like that. And why, so is that what he wants me to be? These are the questions that are going to come up that should never happen in a loving marital relationship. Amen. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio as we're talking about wounds that can occur by our own ideas um, and choices within marriage, outside of marriage. It's always important to remember, praise God we're Catholic. Praise God we're Catholic. And we have the sacrament of reconciliation. So much can be healed through therapy, yes, and that is definitely a resource we should use, catholictherapist.com to find a Catholic therapist near you. But going to reconciliation, going to confession, being healed by the blood of the Lamb and receiving those sanctifying graces to help in overcoming that brokenness that can occur spiritually, that can lead to interpersonal damage day to day. You're listening to Trending with Tim Wright here on Relevant Radio. Jim, I would like, especially because our marriage hour is throwing a curveball at you, but an exciting one. Uh, you originally were not married in the Catholic Church. You were married civilly in the courts. 
How did getting married in the Catholic Church change your marriage? Wow, that's a really big question. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I think in a couple ways. Kim and I had become so much closer uh, spiritually as a couple because we went through RCIA together uh, for for her to come in to the church. And we started praying together, uh, which I was never comfortable with before. That was always weird to me. Um, and it, I don't know how to say this other than it really felt like forever then. Oh, that your marriage was going to be for forever. Yes. Wow. So up until that point, what did you think? Um, that there was always a chance something would happen. Now, do you think that it was due to the grace of the sacrament of marriage that you understood and felt like, okay, this is for life? Or do you think it's because you understood what sacramental marriage was and that that was the commitment or both? I think it was both. Um, I think it was absolutely both. You see, my parents were divorced when I was two. Most of, many of my friends' parents growing up uh, got divorced at different stages. And so it just seemed like a normal thing to me. Like, well, yeah, this won't last, you know. I'm here for the kids now while they're young, but... And once we got married in the church, my heart changed about that. And then, of course, learning more about the sacrament and what it really meant. And it's funny because I think the same for my wife. I mean, you know, we're two New York City kids, grew up around a lot of divorce, and she probably felt the same way many times, but... Now we couldn't imagine it. Praise God. Now, your kids were at your wedding. Was there a shift or did they understand what was happening? What was that like for them? So my son was quite young. So I think for him, it was just funny to be dressed up. <laughs> but for my daughter, I think it was a big day. Really? How old would she have been? Twelve. So she's at the age where the idea of marriage and romance is becoming very interesting and exciting to her. Yeah, so I, I, I think it was a big deal for her. And, um, you know, one of the things we can do, we should do, or always remember, is it's not so much about what we say to our children, but it's about what they see, what we model to them. And, and that was a perfect opportunity to say, yeah, look, mom and dad had to do this right now. We had to, had to make it right in God's eyes. It's exciting to even hear because you're smiling. The moment I brought up that you got married in the church, you've been smiling the whole time. It is such a gift of the sacrament and doing the right thing. And for anyone who is listening now, they were married years ago. They were civilly married. You know, they're going to church. They're Catholic. Why do I need to get married in the Catholic Church? We've been married. Like I understand that. But the grace of the sacrament is something totally different. And to hear that shift that 12 years into your marriage, civil marriage, had for you, what would you say to someone 
helping them to understand the need and the impact of the grace of the sacrament and the commitment of the sacrament. So one of my dear, dear friends, uh, the priest who, who married us was a guy I knew from high school. And, uh, and he called me Jimmy. He says, Jimmy, God knows you were married to Kim for all these years. But now he wants to give you the fullness of marriage. He wants to bless it for you. And that's exactly what I would say to somebody. Yes, God knows. And he loves that you love your wife and you love your husband and you've been faithful and loyal. But let him bless it now in the way he wants to. That's Jim O'Day, the executive director of Integrity Restored here on Trending. Jim, you are helping so many people in healing from the wounds of pornography addiction, betrayal by a spouse looking at pornography, the fallout of ultimately the sexual revolution. You're coaching people. You're creating programs. You're creating a new program for seminarians to help because our young people are being touched by pornography. And it's an issue going into college, going into seminary that many people are dealing with. So I highly recommend, if you can, check out integritystore.com integritystore.com. They have so many resources. Go walk through the resources with your kids. Uh, Check out their information. Learn about the impact of pornography and how to heal and avoid that impact. And just a recommendation out there before it even becomes a problem. There's a book where you can talk to your kids before pornography is even something that will be on their radar. It's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. It's an incredible book that before the idea of pornography could even come around to help them know, hey, if you see something, say something to me, and how to help them in preparing them for one day when they are exposed. You're listening to Trending with Tim Reed. That's Jim O'Day, the executive director of Integrity Restored. Again, check them out at integritystored.com.